Open up to Genesis chapter number 41. Genesis chapter 41. We're going to continue our study through uh, the life of Joseph. And uh, these lessons, I, uh, they're not mine originally. I, I uh, do go through, a, I'm going through a book uh, by, by, I believe his name is John Phillips, of, or not Phillips, I'm sorry, John Butler uh, is the fellow that wrote the book and uh, phenomenal material. But I've enjoyed the study uh, of going through the life of Joseph and um, a lot of people have asked me how I'm doing. I'm, I am 100% better, praise the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. I was sick the week before last Sunday, and, uh, and I, had, I had gotten everything lined up so that I didn't have to worry about anything, and I was feeling better. I probably could have been here on Sunday. I just thought, eh, I'm going to stay out one more day just to be sure, and, uh, and I watched the live stream, and that's why I tinkered with it, because I, I went home and I watched it, and I thought, man, I need to fix that. I need to make some things a little better, so we t I always tinker with stuff and make things, try to make things a little bit better, and uh, it uh, doesn't always work, but we do the best we can with what we got. So, uh, so Genesis chapter number 41, Genesis 41, we're going to look at, we've looked at Joseph the son, Joseph the slave, Joseph the scandal, Joseph, uh, many things in the life of Joseph. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at Joseph the statesman. And up to this point, we've watched Joseph and it has been uphill and downhill. It has been, uh, man, everything is going well, and then all of the sudden, uh, the turn of life just throws Joseph into an absolute tailspin and lands him at the very bottom of everything, and, uh, and his life just has not gone well, per se, in many of those instances, and we find that Joseph has been faithful through it all. I'm constantly inspired, and I'm constantly encouraged by the life of Joseph and those who can go uh, all the way to the top. Uh, they work hard and climb their way to the top only to be thrown to the bottom and still have uh, the, the, the faithfulness that Joseph has. Uh, what a characteristic in his life that is a staple throughout his life. Uh, and that of forgiveness. I mean, there's so many lessons that can be pulled out of Joseph's life. And, uh, and we see Joseph here in Genesis chapter number 41 and verse number 46. I want you to notice this. He says in Genesis 41, 46, the Bible says, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh king of Egypt. Uh, so 30 years old. We know going back, you can, you can mark it down in Genesis 37 too, we find that Joseph was 17 years old when he was busy feeding his father's flock and probably uh, within that year, maybe when he was 17, maybe when he was 18 roughly, uh, that Joseph was sold into slavery. So now Joseph is 30 years old and you can do all the math. I did it beforehand because I'm really bad at math on the fly. And so I wrote it down. Uh, the whole ordeal took, if he was 17 when he was sold into slavery, it took 13 years of Joseph's life. Now we're not talking about 13 bad days. We're not talking about 13 bad months. We're talking about 13 years of ups and downs and ups and downs in Joseph's life that he was completely faithful. 
what an inspiration, what, an, what an, uh, uh, a thing to consider, really. Uh, I would consider, personally, I would consider 2020 a bad year. Um, I, I often call it the leap year uh, or the skip year or uh, the year that nothing happened. And we're like, uh, all through 2021, we're like, well, what did we do last year? Uh, because we're going through, you know, the church calendar and this and that. And, and I often look back, hey, what did we do last year? And in 2021, what did we do last year? Oh, nothing. It was a leap year. We didn't do nothing. I mean, the pandemic shut everything down and changed everything's calendar, and, and, and we didn't do anything. And so, uh, so, you know, I would consider 2020 a bad year, and I would consider 2021 a little bit of a better year, but it was still kind of regaining traction and trying to get back on track from 2020 that had knocked us off. And in and, and Joseph's life, uh, could you imagine how uh, long it would take him to work back up to where he was? I mean, he went thrown into slavery. Slavery. Uh, and then he had to work. It wasn't the next day that he was put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. It took time for him to get there. Uh, only to be thrown in prison. And then uh, you could imagine in prison, uh, he probably didn't, wasn't given day one in, in the prison. Well, I tell you what, why don't you be in charge of everything? Uh, it, you have to imagine, the Bible doesn't tell us, but you have to imagine it took time uh, for him to get uh, to a place where he was in charge in prison. And then finally, those, uh, the two, the butler and the baker, uh, have their dream. And, uh, and his hope is placed, hey, the butler, he's going to remember me. And two years, the Bible says, passed, and he didn't remember him, forgot about him. And for two years, he's spinning his wheels thinking, man, I wish I was not here. And, uh, but Joseph was faithful. So go with me, Genesis chapter 41, and verse 37, I want to read just a few verses here. The Bible says, and the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. Of course, in Genesis chapter 41, Joseph has just given Pharaoh the interpretation of the dream that Pharaoh had. And he's been pulled out of prison and he's cleaned himself up and he just gave him the interpretation. And so verse 37, we kind of pick it up. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a chain, a gold chain, about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah. I believe that's how that's said. And he gave him to wife Asnath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. 
And Joseph went out over all the land of, jo of Egypt. Let's stop right there and uh, let's have a word of prayer that we'll get into our lesson this morning. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you again for the privilege that we have to gather in your house, Father, around your word. And God, I thank you for those that are uh, healthy and able to be here this morning. And God, I pray again that you would help those that are not able to be here. And God, I pray that you'd touch their bodies and strengthen them. And God, I pray that uh, as they tune in and listen, God, I pray that their hearts and their spirits will be encouraged by your word. Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> As we look at this uh, passage, uh, Joseph, of course, has been brought up out of prison. And, uh, and we look at the promotion, really, that Joseph has been given. It's a really a, a a promotion uh, to elevate him to the second in all of the kingdom. Now, could you imagine uh, Joseph going from prison uh, to being the second in command? And, and I'm telling you, it's just like Joseph is uphill and downhill, and now he's back at the top. But one of the things I find very refreshing in this passage is to see that the word of God was given to Pharaoh. You remember Pharaoh had that dream, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, the vision that he saw and how Joseph was there, and he interpreted that vision, and, and therefore uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh understood, hey, this is of God. And Joseph even told him, hey, two times this happened because it is established by God. And it's refreshing when we see somebody that is not a believer hear, a, hear the word of God and respond to that word of God. And he did that. Pharaoh did that. He was very open. He said, man, uh, this thing is of God and this is pertinent to my entire country. This is pertinent to my life. He said, man, I, I need to do something. And so he heard the word of God. And, uh, and of course, Joseph expounded on that. But then there was a response to the word of God. I mean, it's encouraging whenever you, uh, whenever you see somebody respond to the Word of God. That's a blessing uh, in our life. Uh, whenever you witness to somebody, whenever you talk to people and you try and encourage them in, in things that are right and think, doing things that are right, uh, it is a blessing to see them respond to the Word of God. Uh, I remember several occasions, but one of the occasions I was in Peru and uh, I was passing out gospel tracts and as I was uh, going around, I, I, this lady was sitting on the side of the road. And in Peru, it's very common for people to be out on the streets and, and, uh, and, and just out and about. And so I, I went up to her and I gave her a gospel track and I said, I said, where do you go to church? And she said, well, I don't. And I said, you need to be in church. She said, you're right. She flipped over the gospel track and she looked and she said, this is where you're at? I said, yep. She said, I'll be there Sunday. And she was. Not only was she there, uh, she had already been saved. She had been in church before and had been saved, but she had kind of fallen out of church. And, and, and when I gave her that gospel track and she showed up to church, I mean, that lady was faithful to church. Not only was she faithful, but she was one of the, one of the best people about reaching other people and getting, bringing people into church. And, uh, and, and it's just exciting when you see somebody respond to the Word of God. I've got several people I'm working on, and, uh, and just, you know, I, I always try and give out gospel tracts and, and encourage people, hey, you need to be in church, hey, you need to uh, follow God, and you need to do what God says, and you need to be uh, saved and born again, and, and we ought to be encouraging other people. And I tell you what, many people will not respond, but when you do have that one that responds, boy, it's encouraging. 
to see people that will say, hey, I'm going to follow God with my life. And I'm sure that Joseph was encouraged because Pharaoh was willing to respond to the word of God. And what a blessing in Joseph's life even to see that. But so we see the promotion of Joseph. And I want you to notice the, the selecting of Joseph there. We see that in verse number uh, 33. Joseph is talking to, to Pharaoh, and he says this as he interprets the dream. He says in verse number 33, Genesis 41, 33, Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Joseph was not saying, hey, I'm, I'm your guy, man, you need to put me in charge. No, Joseph was simply faithful to God's call, and he said, listen, you need to find somebody that's wise, somebody that's discreet, somebody that is fit for this job uh, to, to disperse all of the grains and to collect all of the grains and to do this job uh, in a good way. And so uh, look down in verse 39, we find that Pharaoh responds to that. And he says, hey, I'm going to select a guy. And he says in verse 39, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, go back to verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. And I'm reminded, of course, of, of Daniel, but uh, when, when Daniel had pretty much the same situation where a king had had a dream and Daniel interpreted that dream and, and, and the king said, Hey, uh, we can't find anybody with whom the Spirit of God is like he is with you. And so uh, they, they selected Joseph. Joseph was a man of God. Joseph was a man of good character. Joseph was a man that walked with God. And, and Joseph was a man that was faithful. And so uh, it would, it's an obvious choice from our perspective. But it's refreshing to see that even Pharaoh would spot the fact that, hey, that the God was with Joseph. And, uh, and that God was working through Joseph. Oh, that we, would, that we would allow God to work through our lives and minister to other people and be a help and a blessing to other people. Not that they would select us, not that they would say, but they would see, hey, God is with that person. God's using that person in their life. And, and we ought to strive for that in our life, as Joseph certainly did. Uh, and then we find that Joseph certainly was, uh, was given that position. Look with me at verse 46. We read this at the age there of Joseph. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And so Joseph was selected and he was put in front of Pharaoh. And, uh, and what a blessing it was. Uh, and listen, uh, God's timing in our life is just as important as God's will in our life. A lot of times people say, well, you know, I know this is God's will. Uh, well, that's wonderful, but God's timing is just as important. A lot of times in Bible college, uh, people get, get antsy and they want to go somewhere and they want to do something and they say, well, I know God's called me to preach and I, I don't want to, uh, I, I know the Lord's coming back. And, and so they might think, they might be very tempted to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a year of Bible college, but then I'm going to go off and, and, and start preaching or start pastoring a church. Uh, listen, God's timing is just as important as God's will in his life. Uh, we talked a little bit about Joseph getting out of prison. What if, what if he had gotten out of prison two years prior? And then, and then all of a sudden Pharaoh has this dream, and where's Joseph? Well, I don't know. He, he's lost down in, 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 in 
in Israel somewhere. We don't know where he went. He got out of prison and he's gone. We don't know how to find him. And, and, and yet God had him there for such a time as this. And listen, sometimes we go through things in our life. Sometimes we go through uh, hard spots in our life or difficult periods in our life. And, and we're like, God, why is all of this happening? And listen, God's got a purpose, but maybe it's not his time for you to know it. Year one, as Joseph setting in jail, maybe God said, it's coming. Just wait. Be patient. We don't like that idea of waiting on the Lord. But how important and how necessary it is. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen, sometimes in our life, uh, it's important to wait on God. I don't like to wait. I like to have a plan. I like to make a plan. I like to execute plan A. If plan A fails, I'm going to go to plan B. And if plan B fails, I'm going to go to plan C. And, and I like to have those uh, even in the back of my mind. And no, But sometimes God is just saying, hey, we need to hold on and we need to wait on God. Listen, on the flip side of that, let us not procrastinate either. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm going to wait on God. You know, it's kind of like uh, the, the people that are praying for a job and, and they'll run around and say, hey, pray, pray that I get a job. Pray that I get a job. Well, have you filled out any applications? No, not a one. Well, wait a minute. Then, then what, what, I'm not going to pray for you to get a job if you're not even bother, bothering to look for a job. Uh, I mean, get out there, fill out some applications, do your part, and, and work as though everything depends on you, but pray as if everything depends upon God. There's balance in there, so don't use the excuse of waiting to not do anything. Uh, but, uh, but sometimes God does have us in a place where we do have to wait. And Joseph, in Joseph's case, we, always, we already explained, uh, 13 years that he was there in Egypt. And uh, probably from day one, he's wondering, why on earth is this happening in my life? What is going on? Why did my brother sell me into slavery? Uh, why was I betrayed and thrown into prison? But yet God had his timing and God had the moment and God's time is never late. And he had to wait and be faithful uh, in every place that God had moved him. And then, of course, we see the man uh, that, that was selected was Joseph. And uh, listen, as Joseph went through all of those difficulties, I can't help but think there was a lot of purging that was taking place in his life. At 17 years old, when he was sold into slavery, uh, he probably was not ready to be elevated to second in the kingdom of Egypt. He probably had some rough edges that needed to be knocked off. And as Joseph built his way up as, as a servant there in Potiphar's house and was thrown into prison, he probably still was not ready. There was probably still rough edges that need to be knocked off in Joseph's life. There was probably some things that needed refined. And so sometimes as we go through all of those hardships, it's because God is busy molding us and making us into what he wants us to be. So when it does arrive at that time, he say, hey, now you're ready. Now you can be used. Now you've gained the experience. Now you've been here and you've done that and you've seen many things and, and you're experienced in some of these areas and, and you can uh, be the person that God wants you to be. So sometimes God is molding us and making us uh, for something that is greater in our life that maybe we're not ready for at this point. 
And, uh, and I certainly believe that's the case with Joseph's life. So we can see the selecting of Joseph. I want you to see as well in this promotion, I want you to see the supplying of Joseph. This is pretty neat. I like all of this. Look with me in Genesis 41 and verse 42. We'll go back to verse 41. The Bible says 41, 41. And Joseph said unto, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. We see the supplying of the ring. Listen, that ring in the Old Testament granted authority. Uh, that was their seal. That was the way they would mark their signet. Uh, the ring that they would wear was unique to them, and it was a way to seal a letter or a way to seal something that was a proclamation of the king. And it, and it represented the great authority that Joseph would have in the kingdom of, of, of Egypt. And so we see that uh, he was supplied with a ring. Uh, we'll just run through these quickly because there's so many of them I could spend a lot of time on them. But look at verse 42. Uh, not only the ring... But he put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. Not only a ring, but I want you to notice as well a robe. Uh, there was something that Joseph was supplied with. Isn't it interesting? In Joseph's life, he started out in his father's house and he had a coat of many colors. And, uh, and then, of course, that was taken from him abruptly and, and shredded and, and lost. And then he goes to Potiphar's house and, and he works his way up and, and he, he also has a coat. And, uh, and, of course, that is also taken from him abruptly as Potiphar's wife uh, tried to, to hold on to him. And he left it behind and went running out the door and, and said, hey, uh, you know, it ain't worth it. And he left his coat behind and he, and he left. And and, and we find now that God has supplied him yet another robe, yet another fine linen. What an interesting thought, uh, the fact that God supplies all of this. It's interesting, too, to think that uh, the uniform is appropriate uh, for the position. Listen, uh, Joseph had just come out of prison. Now, I don't think in Egypt they had the orange jumpsuits. Uh, or the black and white striped ones. Uh, a guy in Texas, a, a, a prison in Texas, he had pink ones. Um, I remember seeing that several years ago. I don't know if Joseph come out of prison with a jumpsuit and he's standing there in front of Pharaoh and he said, well, here's the dream and here's the interpretation. And, and, and Pharaoh's saying, you cannot stand in my kingdom and be a ruler wearing that orange jumpsuit. That's not going to fly. He said, so we gotta, we got to change you. we got to get you some new clothes. And so Pharaoh provides him with a whole new uh, vesture of fine linens, the Bible says. And, and it was appropriate. And it was interesting that this wardrobe was constantly supplied to Joseph. And listen, oh, how God will constantly take care of our needs. Even the clothes, the Bible says uh, the lilies are, are, are clothed and, and that not even a sparrow will fall, that God doesn't take notice of it. And, and listen, God will take care of our needs. He took care of Joseph time and time again and supplied him with what he needed. We see a ring that was given him. We see a robe that was given him. Not only that, but I want you to notice the rank that was given him. He said there in the verse 42, the last phrase, and put a gold chain about his neck. This gold chain symbolized the authority. It was the look. It kind of completed it. Again, we think of Daniel. Daniel was kind of in a similar position in that he was, uh, he was uh, serving the king there, and, and the king had a dream, and, and eventually uh, Joseph in, or da Daniel interpreted that dream, and he also was granted a gold necklace. 
Why is that? It was a symbol of authority in those times and for those cultures. It was something that said, hey, you are, are set up on high. The ring would grant the authority, but that gold chain symbolized it. When they saw that fellow walking through, they were like, that guy's important. That guy's somebody. And they would see that gold chain and it would stand for the rank uh, that he had. Not only the, uh, the ring, the robe, and the rank, but look as well in verse 43. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. He also got a new ride. I think he was on foot before uh, being a prisoner. I don't think he had any ride. I don't think he had a chariot. I don't think he probably even had a horse or a donkey. He didn't have anything. But now he's pulled out of prison and they said, hey, listen, listen, Joseph, uh, I want you to ride in the, the, the best chariot in all of Egypt, the second one. The king will get the first, and you get the second. And uh, I, I don't know if he had bodyguards. I don't know. They probably didn't have the armor-plated uh, version. I don't know, you know, with the glass windows and all of that. But, uh, uh, but he certainly had a better ride than he had before. And I'm just saying that God supplied the needs of Joseph. And what an incredible thing. Not only that, but look at verse 45. Uh, and Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnathpaneah. We find that Joseph's name was changed. Why was that? Reputation. They couldn't have Joseph. Joseph was known. Hey, he was the prisoner. Hey, he was the guy that was involved in that scandal. Hey, isn't that a Hebrew name anyways? That's not even a, an Egyptian name. And so, uh, so he provided him with a new name to say, hey, this guy's a, a, a new reputation. I mean, could you imagine if the news outlets had gotten a hold of the fact, hey, that the uh, Pharaoh brings a prisoner, some Hebrew guy that was involved in a scandal and makes him second in all the kingdom. No, he said, no, th no this is Zap Zafnap. The Thea, whatever his name was, is Egyptian. And why couldn't they have just called him good old Zaph? But he gave him a new name. Why? To, to give him a new reputation and say, hey, this is a new guy. This, is, this represents everything that is new. And, and what a promotion that Joseph received uh, by following and obeying God and waiting for God's time. Not only do we see the, uh, as Joseph has a statement and we can see his promotion, but I want you to notice the preparations that were given as well. Joseph for, or Genesis 41, in verse 46, I love this as we look at this. The Bible says here in verse 46, And Joseph was 30 years old, when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. The preparations of Joseph, as you think about this, he was, he was given a very large task. I mean, Joseph, up to this point, he's never been in charge of a nation. Yes, he was in charge of Potiphar's house. He went from a household that was probably fairly wealthy that he managed, that he took care of everything, to a prison where he kind of managed all the estates there. But now he is in charge of a, an entire country, and he is the second in command that he's responsible for saying, hey, I'm going to provide for all of the needs of this country uh, throughout the seven years of of." of prosperity, and then for the seven years of famine that are to follow. That's a big task. How'd you like to be given that job? I mean, I, I think, I don't know that I would want that job. But Joseph makes no bones about it. He starts right in, and we find in verse 46 that he stood before Pharaoh. 
He didn't, he didn't bother... Uh, he didn't bother saying, well, you know, let's take a week and throw a party and have several parades and, and march me around Egypt so that everyone knows I got to go campaign so that everyone knows my name and my face and, and who I am. And no, he, he went straight into the job and said, hey, I'm going to stand before Pharaoh. And, and listen, that was Joseph's, um, that was his MO. That's what he was known for. Uh, he was a servant. You find that Joseph served under his father and he was busy working. You find that when Joseph was sold into slavery, he was working and he was serving the king. We find that when he was thrown in prison, Joseph was serving there in prison and he was constantly in a role of service. And listen, may it inspire us, may it challenge us to be busy serving other people and God. What an incredible servant Joseph was. And every time he, he is busy uh, in service and he started in preparation. Not only that, but I want you to notice the wisdom with which he made the preparation. Uh, you look there and, and you'll find that he had seven years. And, uh, and his preparation, look at verse, I believe it was 46. Let's go with 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up food in the cities, the food of the fields which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much, until he left numbering it, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asnath, the daughter of Potiphera, the priest of On, on bare unto him. And so we find that Joseph was, was wise in his preparations. He started immediately saying, hey, we've got seven years of prosperity. We need to start collecting it. Listen, preparation is so important, uh, and it's so overlooked in, in our life. So many times people think, well, you know, I'm just going to do this, and, and they don't understand the amount of preparation that goes into things. But listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 30, verse 24 and 25, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. Proverbs chapter 6, and I think along verse 6 through 8, uh, we're told, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, uh, who, who doesn't have a king and yet prepares her meat in the summertime. And, and we're told, hey, we ought to go and we ought to see the preparation that is laid forth. And oh, how that would speak to us to be prepared. And to set aside, Joseph set aside in years of prosperity. And, and oh, that we would do that. Uh, listen, even salvation is, is preparation. You look at salvation, while you're living, you need to make preparation for eternity. Because once you enter eternity, it's too late. You can't make preparation at that point. Preparation has to be made while you're still alive and while you're still breathing on this earth. You must trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior uh, because after that point, it's too late. And so there's a lot of wisdom in being prepared. Then I want you to notice the, uh, how quickly he went out and started working on preparation. Uh, he, Joseph was, I mean, he, he was standing before Pharaoh. And then the Bible says, in the very next phrase, he went out. He didn't waste any time. 
He said, hey, get, get me that, get me that uh, wagon and uh, let's, let's start going around. I've got to see where the fields are. I've got to see where the cities are. I've got to start making preparation. And he was busy working. Joseph was not afraid of work. We've seen that in his life. Uh, as, a, as a favorite son, uh, he still worked, the Bible says. He was still busy uh, doing things that God wanted him to do or that his father wanted him to do. And, uh, and Joseph was very prepared and he was laying the groundwork and preparation for everything that needed to be done. And he was very systematic in it. Uh, you, we read those verses. Uh, he went around all the cities and he said, hey, if, if these fields are close to these cities, then I want you to bring all the grain into this city and bring it into a storehouse and we're going to store it there. And, uh, and Joseph was very systematic. And, and listen, he was very sincere about the preparations. Listen, a lot of people don't work uh, for somebody else like it's their own concern. Matter of fact, most people don't work uh, like it's their own concern. Joseph took it like, hey, this is my personal responsibility to do this job, not just for the country, not just for Pharaoh, but for my own well-being. And he worked like it mattered to him. He worked like this is important to him. And he was sincere in his preparations. And we see all the preparation that Joseph laid, uh, the, how wise it was and how quickly he went about it and the work that was involved in, and everything that he did in those preparations. And lastly, I want you to see this. This is interesting. We won't spend a lot of time here. But I want you to see the policies of Joseph. Look with me at verse 55. After, this is after all, all the collecting has been done, all the preparation has been laid, and they're getting into the, uh, the famine now in verse, verse 55. And when all the land of the Egyptian, Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Pharaoh, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians the fam and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. A lot can be learned about even governmental policies for Joseph here. As you look at it, uh, you, I want you to notice Joseph wasn't giving this grain away. He started collecting it uh, in the beginning. Uh, I don't know if you'd consider it a tax or what it was, but he was wise about the way he went about collecting it. And then he was wise about the way he went about dispersing it. He didn't just say, hey, come and, and we'll give you, uh, uh, give you the amount that you need. No, he said, you come and we'll sell you the corn. We'll sell you back the grain. And he was a wise administrator of everything that he did. And you'll find as you read that, uh, you say, well, well, that wasn't very kind. No, but it was good administration. And uh, Joseph wasn't trying to run a charity. He was trying to keep a country afloat and try to keep everything running smoothly. And so Joseph was there and he was selling. It was very prudent for, for what he had done. The Egyptians had proved uh, that they were, they were like most people. They were very wasteful in what they had. I mean, you find that uh, Joseph, if you read down through there, you'll find it. I, I don't remember what verse it was, but you can go back and find it later. Joseph, in the years of prosperity, he collected one-fifth of what the Egyptians pulled out of their fields. One-fifth. So that means they were left with four-fifths. Joseph took care of the entire nation for seven years on one-fifth when they couldn't take care of themselves on four-fifths. You see what I'm saying? 
There was a lot of wisdom in what Joseph did. There was a lot of wise administration. There was prudence. And he had to make one-fifth of the grain for seven years, last for seven more years, uh, where the people would not have it. And so he was very careful to sell it and, and give it out. And we find that the price uh, started out, hey, with money. But then eventually, they ran out of money. The, the Bible says the money failed. And, uh, and then they started selling their livestock. After all, they couldn't feed their livestock without grain, so they would give it to Joseph. And Joseph was managing all the livestock of the people with one-fifth of the grain, feeding them, feeding the people. And then they ran out of livestock. And he said, well, sell me your fields. So then they sold him their fields. And then uh, in the end, they said, they said, listen, you've got our livestock, you've got our money, you've got our fields, we've got nothing left. And Joseph said, okay, I'll take you, sign your name here. And they signed their lives away. But I want you to notice as well, Joseph just wasn't in it to control everything. Uh, you'll find later uh, that as they went along, that uh, eventually Joseph had him working the fields and he was also paying them. And so it wasn't total control, but it was a lot of prudence and a lot of wisdom about how Joseph went about, about things so that he didn't run the government completely aground and, and have no money left and have a deficit. I mean, uh, you, don't, you don't have a credit card with corn. It just doesn't happen. You don't have a, a national debt with corn either. Uh, it doesn't happen. And so he was managing all of those affairs very well. And, uh, and, and I think God gave Joseph a lot of wisdom in running that government and how Joseph worked with it. And uh, not only that, but not just the nation of Israel, uh, or Egypt rather, but even other nations came and bought grain from, from Egypt. So you're talking uh, a phenomenal amount of, of administration that Joseph did, and God gave Joseph great wisdom in the policies that he wrote and, uh, and how he sold the grain and then how he shared the grain even, uh, the fact that they would, they would pay and, uh, and then he would pay them to work as well. And so just the incredible life really of Joseph, when you look at all of it and you see everything that Joseph did, you're like, man, what a, uh, what a phenomenal story true story in God's word of how one man, uh, really God used him in a phenomenal way. And listen, what a, what, how, good, how could God use us? How could God use a man that has surrendered to him? Listen, we don't know the ways. There are so many ways that God could use us. And God could uh, use you in a position, in a place, or wherever you're at. Uh, not even in ministry. I'm not saying that Joseph was not a preacher. Joseph was not necessarily a prophet. Joseph was a, a phenomenal administrator and laborer and worker, and God used him tremendously to save even a nation alive. So what an example Joseph can be uh, for our life in, in how God used him and how he submitted and surrendered himself to God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we stand to our feet, Father, we thank you for the lessons that can be pulled from Joseph's life. What an incredible story. What an incredible truth. God, every, every, from everything to the administration and how Joseph handled everything, to the waiting that Joseph endured in his lifetime, to the faithfulness of him being faithful. God, I pray that you would just help us as we live our lives, God, to model it after that of Joseph to be patient, to be wise, to be workers. And God, we know that
you're in control of everything. And God, when it comes down to it, and it comes time, God, help us to be fit. Help us to be ready for whatever place that you have for us. God, that we could serve you to the very best of our ability. Maybe we're going through difficult times. Maybe we're going through hard points in our life. Maybe you're uh, molding us and making us, and maybe we need to work on patience and being patient with where you have us. God, I pray that you would help each and every person, that they would take the lessons that can be learned from the life of Joseph. Father, we'll thank you for that. And God, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, show them their need for salvation. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. We have just a short hymn of invitation.